Good morning, followers of Jesus. Our Old Testament passage this morning is from Jeremiah 31, verses 27 through 34, which in our QP Bibles begins on page 789. 789, Jeremiah 31, 27 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals. Just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading for this morning comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. It's on page 1134. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. And he hardens those whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me this way? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. 
This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this day, another day to find our Sabbath rest in you and center ourselves around your worship. God, as we delve into your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation upon each of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. It's good to worship with you again here at Sherman Street Church. The reading we just heard from the book of Jeremiah centers on God's covenant promise, a promise to bring about unity and flourishing and transformation in people and in the world. Our reading from Romans centered on the lingering questions that the people seeking to live out the reality of those promises still have generations later. The disconnect between God's promises and the reality of how those promises are lived and experienced and come to fruition in our lives was not just a disconnect between Jeremiah's words and the church that Paul was writing to in Rome. It goes back much farther into history and much nearer into our present. There's a disconnect, I think we'll all admit it if we're honest, between the promises we read in God's word and the life that we live each day. Because a lot has been broken in this world. There are broken relationships, broken trust, and broken hearts. The people of God that are being addressed in this text this morning were people living in exile. That's who Jeremiah was writing to. People who had been taken from the place that they had considered home, the place where God promised to plant them, and were now displaced as foreigners in a land being held captive. They were far from home, and they felt far from God. And they had good reason to feel that way, because they were far from God. They were not in a relationship with God. Instead, these were people who had been relying on God's relationship with their ancestors, on his promise to their parents and their grandparents. They had heard the old stories about God being faithful to their ancestors, delivering their ancestors out of slavery in Egypt into new life. But soon they became just that, stories. Because the people called to live near to God in close proximity to God were no longer doing that. And so they started pointing fingers to blame other people for being at fault. They recognized that they were far from God and they said, well, that's not on me. Look at my ancestors. Maybe even look at God. So they proof-texted Proverbs and took them out of context. They misinterpreted them to suit their own needs. They used scripture and manipulated it for their purposes to justify their actions. Rather than seeking to know God's intention for their lives, they looked at those who'd gone before him and the wrong they had done, the mistakes they had made, and they washed their hands of any responsibility for the mess that they were living in. Not only were they separated from God, they were separated from one another. 
and they failed to understand how they might be able to still do something about it. They needed to forgive their ancestors for what had happened in the past, for the repercussions they were still living in their lives. And maybe they even needed to look at their relationship with God, to stop blaming God for what had gone wrong, and to start looking at themselves. And we read in these verses that God laments what has become of God's relationship with people. We see an image of God as a faithful lover and a provider whose chosen one has rejected them over and over again. Bringing to mind the story of Hosea who was called to marry Gomer, the unfaithful woman, to love her and be a father to her children even though those children look suspiciously more like the mailman than they did like Hosea. Like Hosea, Jeremiah tells us that God is mourning a broken relationship. God is grieving for lost love, and God is seeking to restore trust with us. My maternal grandmother died on Christmas Day, And her death has stirred up a lot of different emotions in me. I only knew her as a child, and I only have good memories of the time that I spent with her. But I've only seen my grandmother about a handful of times in the last 35 years. I reached out to her on several occasions, my children's baptism, my wedding. Um, But she didn't reach out to me, so I didn't know her all that well. From what I hear, she was intelligent, she was talented. She was very generous. But I also know that she spent most of her life in the grips of untreated mental illness. And as a result of that, she abused her children, including my mother, and pushed away those closest to her. I've been grieving the loss of my grandmother for many years, for the relationship I wanted with her and was not able to have, and for the scars she left on my mother's heart, scars that had an effect on my own life. I have to commit to forgiving my grandmother every day because I still struggle with why God would allow that to happen, why that had to be my mom's story, why that had to be my grandma's story. Sometimes the biblical stories can feel just like that, stories. Stories of people who did better, stories of families who knew better, and there's a disconnect between God's promise to love us and hold us firmly in God's hand and the lives we live each day, which bear the scars of broken relationships. While I think most of us know the pain of being in broken relationships, we may not know what it's like to be a refugee in a strange place, but I think we can imagine to a certain degree what that felt like. We may not be captives of invading armies, but many of us may know what it's like to be captive to an addiction or captive to circumstances that are beyond our control. I think we can even understand to a certain degree what God feels like what it's like to love someone who doesn't love you back. There are people that we pour our love into who don't reciprocate in kind, people who trample on our trust. And it is hard to love someone in the face of their constant rejection. 
It's easy to hold on to our pain, to look at the disconnect between the daily lives we live and the promises of God. And it's easy to blame others or even to blame God for the fact that we feel far away from God. Maybe we're so overwhelmed with the grief of the world, with all that is wrong, with climate change, with division, that we neglect to even take our longings and our hurts to God in prayer because we wonder what good is it going to do anyway. Maybe we relate to God's word like it is a rule book, like it is an imposition on our lives rather than a gift from God for our flourishing Maybe the church seems like more drama than it's worth, so we distract ourselves with other things. Maybe we are ignoring the creator and the sustainer, the savior and the restorer of all things because honestly, we don't find much use for God. Until we are in trouble, until we are alone, until we feel out of control, and then we say, hey God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up? And we blame God for the fact that they feel far away. But friends, what if the Bible isn't a rule book? What if it isn't a collection of stories about things that God did a long time ago, way back when? What if the Bible is meant to remind us who we are and who God is and how God is still at work today? What if instead of memorizing verses out of context and believing in the right things, being in a relationship with God is actually about being inspired by God and living differently because of God? What if God wants to give us new lenses to look at the world around us, lenses tinted by God's mercy and God's grace to see the ways that God is still at work in our reality? God is still speaking to us, whispering to us at times, maybe sometimes even shouting at us. In the midst of all of our self-centeredness, our neglect to care for one another well, even as we are rejecting God, God is speaking hope to us. Hope in the form of promises, promises embedded in stories of God's relationship with these broken people who really are terrible at loving God and loving one another well, but that God consistently does not give up on and says, I love you. God is still at work. God is still trying to unite us, even in spite of us. God is still calling us to forgive. And God still longs for us to recognize the wide variety of ways that God is working. In this morning's passage, God promised to plant and build, to forgive and to make God's self known. God promises a new covenant, one that would not be carved into tablets of stone, but etched onto human hearts. And God promises a new way of knowing and being known by God, a way of living and relating to God, not held back by barriers where some have access and some do not but in ways that are open to all. This promise, this covenant that God is making, that is sharing with Jeremiah, cannot be broken by our mistakes. 
because it is a promise secured by God and God's faithfulness alone. And this promise, this covenant, will usher in new days, days when generational trauma will no longer linger in families, days when God will forgive people for their selfish choices again and again, and days when we will no longer be defined by our mistakes. We are living in those days, friends. God promises to unite people long divided, Israel and Judah, and paints this picture of how they're going to live in relationship with God, an image that reflects God's desire to live with the world. And that's an image that's still at work today. God is still at work trying to unite those divided, the anti-vaxxers and those going out and signing people up for vaccines. God is still working to unite those divided by issues of sexuality in the church or issues of racial justice. God is still at work trying to unite those of us who are divided in pretty surprising and miraculous ways. And sometimes we just need to open our eyes to see it. And the incredible thing about the way God does this is that God bears the burden for our mistakes. God does not throw out the need for justice. He doesn't toss it out the window and say, well, that's done. God enacted justice himself by making right what we made and still make wrong. This new covenant, this promise is fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, the God who loved us enough to take on human flesh, the God who knows our pain, who knows our suffering, who knows what it's like to be rejected. That is the God who Jeremiah promised. That is the God who Jesus Christ lived and fulfilled through his life. And that is the God already at work here today. When we are divided by our brokenness, God is at work uniting us. When we choose to avoid or even ignore God, God is still actively pursuing us. And when we hurt one another, God forgives us. And when we've been hurt, God empowers us to forgive the way that we have been forgiven, to place our trust in God's promises and be in a living, active relationship with God that helps us continually to forgive. We have a God who is both my God and my mother's God and my grandmother's God. New Testament scholar Paul Actemeyer, in his commentary on Romans 9, describes God this way. God is finally and disproportionately a God of mercy and grace. Who does what is good for God's creation and its final healing and redemption, not on the basis of what we are, but on the basis of who God is, a merciful and loving parent. My mother didn't experience God's love from her own mother but she still came to know the love of God through the active witness of others who loved God. And she was able to pass on that hope and that testimony to me in spite of her pain. And I think that's what each of us are called to do, to take the brokenness, to take the hurt, to forgive, to live, and to live in relationship with a God who is constantly challenging us to be with God, to rest in God's promises, and to find our hope in God alone.
because God is still at work doing miraculous things. We only need eyes to see them and ears to hear them and mouths and feet and hands ready to testify to them because God is not distant from any one of us. And as we enter this new year, may the hope we have in God's promises stir within us the creativity to testify faithfully to the God who has always been faithful to us. Let us pray. God, thank you for being our faithful God in spite of us, for working through us even when we don't even understand it, for empowering us to forgive as we have been forgiven. God, as we enter into this new year, a year that we will break promises, that we will fail to live up to our own resolutions for ourselves, God, remind us of who you are and who we are because of you, for how you empower us to live in ways that will surprise even ourselves. God, thank you for being faithful. Make us faithful to you in return. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.